welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the Blue and White Brothers. Two brothers, two takes, one team. Oh yeah, bro. Oh yeah. Three oh, weeks. Yeah. <laughs> three weeks. I technically less less than less than three weeks to kick you're off. Too, a you're too football. excited. You're spiking handy. Easy. Oh my gosh. Spiking. It's my job to be too loud. <laughs> too excited. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, gosh, the summer has flown past. We are on the cusp of what could be a historic Penn State football season. Uh, I oh, man, have a hard time sl- waiting. Leading a hard time off, waiting. leading I off mean, with the twelve and O predictions. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm excited. I didn't. I didn't make a prediction just for this. Just for the record, um, but uh, there's a lot of hype. <laughs> there's a lot of hype. There's a lot out of in the hype. ether and in my heart. Okay. Um, So before we get into all that, um, you know, Tom, why don't you let us know what you've been up to over the summer? Oh, you know me, bro. I am just on a long one right now. Um, A long what? Long (laughs) walk. I'm I'm walking from, uh, currently walking from Canada to Mexico, Mexico, excuse me, on the Continental Divide Trail, and I'm about to enter the Wind River High Route uh, in the Wind River Mountains of Wyoming. And by the time Penn State is ready to kick off, though, Andy, I'll be in Beaver Stadium. Oh, yeah. Watching them run out of the tunnel next to you and dad and maybe one one other. I don't know. We're going to figure it out. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm on another long one, like I said. But uh, it's, another, it's another seemingly long wait for Penn State football this offseason. This might be the, the longest I have felt an offseason has taken in my life just because of how the anticipation has been building what, like you said, it seems to be a really good, if not James Franklin's best team in now 10 years of him coaching on the sidelines of Beaver 10 State. years. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's oh, well, this is his, Mark. He's starting his 10th season. season. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and fun little facts, by the way. Ooh, I do like fun facts. You know, we've got uh, in, the, in the newly upcoming expanded, <laughs> reconsolidated Big Ten, which will be 18 teams as of now, James Franklin will be the second most tenured coach in the 18-team Big Ten starting next season. Next Behind to the him. walking dinosaur, Kirk Ferenzosaurus. Well, well, we, <laughs> <laughs> we should be talking about walking dinosaurs on the That's sidelines. True. We had the one that was the I oldest. I mean, respect. <laughs> of course. Respect. Uh, of course. But no, isn't that wild that like yeah. we, might, we might find ourselves with the next most tenured Penn State football coach, James Franklin, once, the once Kirk retires. Speaks to the volatility yeah. of Penn yeah, State, of College. Well, not Penn State College. Not Penn State College. Of course. That's just Um, interesting that we're already at that, getting to that point with James. Yeah. So uh, you've been out hiking. I have been um, doing kind of normal summer stuff. Uh, Just got back from a week's vacation with Eileen's family in Long Long Beach Island, New Jersey. Your wife, Uh, to those who are not aware. (laughs) 
Yes. Not, we might have new listeners in that don't know who Eileen is yet. Is Introduce you're the not going to use context clues. <laughs> it's like, I, hey, some people <laughs> have no concept of context. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Fair point. Man. It's yes. been a long off season. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, but the, the real kind of, I guess, I would say, focus of my summer has been, along with uh, Eileen, has been getting ready for my oldest son. Uh, my oldest child, I should say, my son Juan, getting ready to go to college. He is leaving in less than two weeks to go to Roanoke College uh, in Salem, Virginia. And uh, it's exciting. It's uh, unnerving. It's all, you know, I mean, if you're a parent and you've been through that, I'm sure there's a lot of similar feelings. Um, it's been an adventure top to bottom. Let's put it that way. Have you ever tried to, like, uh, relate what his experience is? with what yours was when you were going off to college as the oldest child going off to Penn State back when, you know, you were his age. Have you have you tried to recall or are you just oblivious? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've definitely been putting myself in that shoes. I mean, he's a different kid than I was, obviously. Um, but, you know, I, you know, I it's my ex so I've been thinking a lot about his experience, of course. Right. I've also been thinking about uh, my daughter's experience. She's uh, a little bit younger than him. And, you know, I've been relating that to, like, m my siblings' experience when I went off to college, too. And, and it's been interesting to watch that sibling dynamic play out. But for me, it's been more of, like, I had no idea what the parent experience has been mm -hmm. like. Obviously. You know, and... <laughs> I mean, it's like everything from pride to like fear of, you know, like the maddening administrative, you know, heads. I'm sure there's lots of, of paperwork and paperwork such. and like financial stuff. And it's, mm -hmm. I, I mm -hmm. think that there's a lot that's different now than when we were. Uh, yeah, you could you know, just click, age. click, click, uh, one click by uh, enroll. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's Pay different, now. but also like it's a, in a lot of ways, it's a lot more complicated. It's a lot more expensive. Um, there are a lot more moving parts and um, yeah, it's just harder to navigate, I think. So, um, so are you looking forward to the release of college football to kind of curb oh, the definitely what Eileen so Eileen's also a teach Eileen is my wife for those of you <laughs> thank you <laughs> Eileen's also a teacher and like we uh NFL preseason was on this past weekend and we didn't kind of we weren't paying attention to it until we turned on the TV and it was on and it was like Eileen's like oh thank god like college football is like the one thing the one consolation going into the fall of yeah. like everything life getting back into the the, the grind it's like at least we've got college football <laughs> I was so. Andy I was um coming out of uh, the Gallatin range where Big Sky Montana is um, and I made my way down to West Yellowstone the town that's on the western um, side of the uh, Yellowstone National Park, obviously, but it was in Montana still. And so I'm in Montana and I'm l late at night watching like some movie on FX before I fall asleep at this motel. Um, and like multiple commercial breaks throughout this film was showing, or actually it was the sci-fi channel of all things, not even FX, it was sci-fi channel. Um, and I'm seeing commercials for NBC primetime West Virginia at Penn State. I like, know, throughout I the saw film. them too. And I was like, 
okay, I'm getting excited. This is like a couple of weeks ago, yeah. <laughs> like two, like two weeks ago, probably. And, and I'm like, wow, okay. It's actually, it's starting to feel real. And, yeah. and of course it's like NBC primetime. We're the first game of NBC primetime's college football. Like, I mean, they're, they've been largely just Notre Dame affiliated uh, from yeah. a college football it's, standpoint. It's really, it's really pretty cool that Penn State's going to be their first Big yeah. Ten. It's game. exciting. It's definitely exciting, without a doubt. Yeah. Well, look, I think that's enough of uh, what we've been up to. Let's yeah. go ahead and get into the podcast. Before we do, I w- we want to encourage you. This is, we think it's going to be a big year for Penn State. Hopefully, it's a big year for Blue and White Brothers. And we want to encourage you, if you're listening to this podcast, first of all, make sure you subscribe or follow on your podcast service. Um, but we also want to encourage you to, to share with your Penn State friends. You know, I'm sure yeah. you've got a group of friends who love Penn State just like we do. If you love our podcast, hey, make sure you um, let other people know about it. Uh, share the link with your friends. Let them give a listen. I know Eileen does that. Um, she's at work. We're here in Maryland. Um, but when she runs into a Penn Stater, she's like, hey, there's a podcast you need to listen to. And uh, she's been a really kind of cool uh, you know, spreading the word kind of person. And every person that she shares it with will get back to them. Hey, I really like that podcast. <laughs> so, you know, if you like oh, the podcast, your other Penn State friends might please share. I, I want to, Andy, interject a possibility of a, of a little experiment. Um, and, you know, some other podcasts I listen to do this. I, I personally don't do it, but others do. And the podcast, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, do as I do do, and not as I say say. Um, <laughs> so the the podcasters will ask their audience members to, hey, if you want to, you know, write a five star review and interject a question, aka a mailbag question. That way, that would be a surefire way of getting your um, question read on air. And then we get a five star review on top of it that helps us, and it helps you, and it helps. Yeah, everybody. we won't read questions associated with a one-star review, but definitely questions associated with a five-star review. Yes, Um, (laughs) And yeah, that would be the other thing you could do is uh, give a star rating um, on your podcast service and send a written review with that. And if there are comments or questions, we'd be happy to read them uh, on the podcast. Also, just a reminder, you can send us an email for the mailbag. and that email address is blueandwhitebrothers at gmail.com. Uh, sadly, bro, we don't have any mailbag entries for today. That's okay. So Joel, okay. unfortunately, is not going to be able to hear the the siren the sound of the of the mailbag train coming and into the, the guy station. And the banging on the, you know. Yeah, the banging <laughs> on the, the bell, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's so, um, and you might you all might not know this if you didn't listen to our spring podcast but joel's going to be joining as a regular guest he's going to have a regular segment including today so co-host so, not just get not guest co-host guest host co-host guest host. however you want to we'll come up with a better title for him but whatever he's yeah. a he's a contributor and so <laughs> you know he was a regular mailbag participant and um, we need someone else to take up the slack <laughs> yeah. um, as Joel transitions into his uh, active participation in the podcast. So uh, yeah, send us a mailbag. You can do that again through a written review or 
send us an email. All right. So here's what we got coming up for today. This podcast is going to be mostly focused on sort of giving an overview of the season. A part of that is going to be a news and notes segment. We're going to look at the national news, Big Ten news. It's not like anything's happened of significance over the last few months uh, other than, you know, conference realignment. And maybe a couple other, other the things within the Big Ten. Greatest um, seismic shift in college football history has been so going So we'll get on. into a little bit of that. I mean, it could be <laughs> a, its own podcast. We'll just we'll touch on that along with some uh, Penn State updates. Um, then we're going to just shift into talking about the season. I already mentioned it. We're excited about the season. Um, as part of that, we'll give you a preview of the schedule, look at what we have coming up. Um, for football Saturdays this coming season. And then we're going to close off with Joel Bettner joining us uh, for By the Numbers. Um, that'll be plenty to talk about. And um, why don't we just get right in, bro, and dig into news and notes. Mailbag time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the first thing I want to touch on with news and notes is actually just the preseason polls. Um, we have the college poll out. The AP poll actually releases later today. It's Monday, August 14th. We're recording in the morning. Uh, I think at noon Eastern is when the AP poll comes out. Um, bro, what do you have to reflect on with the, the current polls as they stand or as we think they're going to be? I think, uh, you know, I, I, there's all kinds of people's individual polls and, uh, you know, individual talking heads in the college football sports stratosphere. Joel Klatt's got Penn State at number five. RJ Young's got Penn State at number five. Uh, you know, the coaches' polls got us at seven or eight, Andy. Um, there we're at seven in the coaches. Yeah, cool. I, and the AP poll, I predict it'll be like, you know, between six and eight, uh, certainly not any lower than eight. I, I don't think we'll be in the top five personally. But um, so what What I'm thinking here is, Andy, that it doesn't matter where we're ranked. Uh, it, 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 you know, if you're in the top 10, you're, you're going to have the inside track um, to making the college football playoff. And I don't think the only – I think the only – there's only a couple teams – in the college football playoff era that have made the college football playoff outside of the top 10. And last year, I think TCU was unranked. Um, so they're an anomaly for yeah, that's sure. That's crazy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so historically speaking, I think I like where we sit from a, um, a possibility standpoint. Um, you know, last year we were unranked to start the season and obviously we finished what? I think we were eight. Seven. Seven? Okay. Well, seven in the coaches, maybe eight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, um, so it's. But but look, Andy, what do you all... think about what do you think about the teams ahead of us and the teams behind us? Like, tell me a little bit of your sense mm. of like the rest of the poll. Well, obviously, we're staring you know, at we've got, <laughs> Michigan we've and Ohio two, State sitting in front of us, and that's yeah. that's a big deal. Yeah, um, both of them are in the top five. Right. Fascinating. You've got two big 10 teams in the top five. And then this is again, according to the coaches, three sec teams in the top five with Georgia at one, Alabama at three LSU at five. Oh, um, LSU's Mich at five in the, in the coaches bowl in the coaches. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. I don't think that, then, they're ranked too high personally. 
And then two and four are Michigan and Ohio State, respectively. Southern Cal, USC sitting at six right ahead of Penn State. Um, and then behind us, we got three ACC, uh, excuse me, two ACC teams in Florida State, Clemson, eight, nine. And then the fourth SEC team, number 10, Tennessee, rounds out the top 10. So you got four SEC teams in the top 10, three Big Ten teams in the top 10, uh, Florida State and Clemson in there. Do you think Florida State's for real this year? I, I was just going to comment. Uh, I, so a lot of people that are outside of the Penn State world are probably looking at Florida State and Penn State similarly from a standpoint of, Two teams that were very, very hot in the offseason. Two teams that have won the offseason headlines for, like, the hype train going on. James Franklin's always good at winning the offseason. Yeah, yeah. so now Florida State's <laughs> probably not where where we are from a depth standpoint, I think. But their high-end starter talent, I think, is it merits the – the possibility that they, that they could be a top 10 team. Now, I don't know if they've earned that yet. I think Penn State has actually earned that. I think yeah. we've done, I think we've kind of done more of a um, solidifying ourselves as this, you know, minus, you know, minus that 2021 hiccup in the COVID year, you know, James Franklin has been pretty darn consistent at, at having a top 10 team. Um, is Georgia going to lose a game this season? No, their schedule is cake for them. Absolutely cake. Um, they, they won't have a, a challenging game until maybe the SEC championship game. And I want to get back to, to Penn State um, and the Big Ten here real quick. A couple things, um, two, two things that, that, that kind of stand out to me from a Penn State standpoint is, one, when was the last time Penn State was ranked in the top ten preseason? Um, you know, I mean, for me, that's got to be definitely 2017, right? Yeah, and I can't recall, and I'm not, unfortunately, I don't have the ability to have three screens in my lap, you know, my keyboard in front of me. I can only look at the so screen. this is a rhetorical question. Sort of, but um, but <laughs> but pre preseason 2019, there may have been a chance we were we were hovering at that top 10 uh, point. Um, however, that 2017 team, I think, is our, our closest um, parallel from a talent yeah. field talent yeah. standpoint. I agree um, with you on that. You know, in terms of what 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 do we have coming back firepower wise? It's a known quantity. I think we can relate this team to that 2017 team a little bit. But it, but if anything, honestly, I think we're a little more stacked um, top to bottom and like you know second and third depth chart uh, top to bottom as well. Um, the other thing that I would say is I think. You know, with the, the, the polls, you know, and where Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan all are, there's a non-zero chance that, you know, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan all go 11-1 and one and all beat each other. And, yeah. it, and in that case... Yeah, that would case, be fascinating. And in that case, what happens? To the, like, to the conference... Uh, I mean, to the uh, college well, playoff. There can be only one Big East winner, as you know. <laughs> right. This is the last year for the East and West... Conf, you know, so <laughs> well, so there, there are right? There are tiebreakers. Do you know what? The, do you know what, what? Do you know what the first tiebreaker is? Uh, you know, obviously. Well, it's head to head. Well, obviously, but if everyone's eleven to one, if everyone's eleven and one, and everybody got beat by, you know, one of the other. I don't know what the next tiebreaker would be. I think I think once you get past like, and I don't know, I don't think this does the margin of a victory come into play first. Or, or I've, I've read some people talking about how it could be um, winning percentage of opponents on your schedule. 
weird. Isn't that, wouldn't that be crazy? And in that case, Michigan has a very soft schedule. Ohio State schedule is tough, but so is Penn State. So, so it could be, I, I don't think Michigan would like, theoretically, if you look at their schedule, I think Penn State and Ohio State have much tougher schedules. And there's, it could be between Ohio State and Penn State, just like whoever's, you know, opponents have a better record. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the the stupidest way to close out division title division title winner? Well, these ty- these types of tiebreakers are always kind of wonky, and right? you yeah. know, once you once you take it off the field, it can always get uh, goofy and leave someone. You know, I mean, I feel like there's one conference or like one professional <laughs> sports league where like there's a coin flip involved. I think it might oh, be the NFL. If you get like far enough down, <laughs> you know, oh, to the man. tiebreakers, it's like, and we'll just flip a coin. I mean, in a lot of ways, that's what it ends up being when it's not settled on the field. What do you but, think? What do you think is more likely that all three teams go 11 and one or that Penn state runs the table? Uh, that's an interesting question. I, I, I mean, what do you think is more likely? <sighs> just on the top of your head. You're not making or losing State any money on this. Table. I would say that Penn State runs a table, you know, um, just because of, of the way the odds shake out. <clears throat> um, yeah. I think Penn State has has a shot, and no one is really giving Penn State a real shot. But I I, uh, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. Josh Kate is giving Penn State a real chance at, at doing that. It's always like a, it could happen. But, I mean, I, we got that's why Penn State's And that's why Penn State's ranked seven and not two or four in the polls behind um, our two big rivals. Um, let's let's shift gears um, for our news and notes. The national news um, that has really kind of been shaking things up here the last few weeks has been conference realignment. And you were, we were talking about this last night. You're like, it's not conference realignment. It's actually conference consolidation. And that's what we're seeing right now. Um, for those of you who have been under a rock for the last month um major major changes happening in college football as of next year the pac-12 has been totally raided um they're the pac-4 now they're the pac-4 we got four teams uh over the course of a week four teams from the pac-12 went to the big 12 um started off with colorado led by Deion sanders saying see you later um and then um, as the Pac-12 then collapsed at the end of the week, they were joined by Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. Um, the real kind of domino that caused the big exodus, though, was um, Big Ten opening its arms to Oregon and Washington. So you this can is now- a touchy. This is a touchy ver- wording you just put there. You said it's the. The Big Ten, first of all, did not cause the demise of the Pac-12. Just the so thing, you know, the dominoes falling. The, you know, dom- from, the first the- domino was the Big Twelve beating the Pac-12 to market. That was a do- the look, domino. Look, <clears throat> you know, there are a lot of points along the way that sure. led to this. All I'm saying is that a week or two ago, when there were nine teams left after Colorado. Um, left the Pac-12. There were nine teams left, and it was the Big Ten sort of open their arms to Washington and Oregon, and then the other count. three. 
uh, <laughs> right. You know, it was financially viable for the big, they, you know, they big 10 were not waited. doing favors. Yeah. They yeah, were waiting yeah. for a week pack 12 and then yeah. snatched them up when the time was right. But you know, that leaves, uh, the big 10, which I mean, it's idiotic to call them the big 10 anymore. I mean, it has been for years, but it leaves us with, Basically, you know, historically, the four strongest teams from the Pac-12. I know Utah has been a strong team of late, but historically, the four strongest teams in the Pac-12 are now so certainly the, the four strongest brands. Four strongest brands, sure. I mean, UCLA has not been great at football recently, but um, it's a but new they are landscape. A basketball brand, a very big yeah, basketball it's a, brand. It's of course, it's a very very new landscape. Um, you know, we um, the Big Ten really invented. Uh, non-regional conferences when USC, UCLA joined last year. And now we're kind of really digging into that mode with uh, these Northwestern schools, um, not Northwestern University. We'll talk about that. <laughs> but uh, these schools from the Northwest, um, I mean, what can you say about it that hasn't already been said, bro? I mean, we haven't said anything about it, but I mean, a lot of ink and you know, commentary has been spilled. Well, there's, and said there's about this, this. I, there's, yeah, there's this idea that like, you know, all these, these moves had to be made, had to be made for, or, or else, you know, they'd be on the outside looking in blah, 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 blah. And baloney. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is baloney. And, and the, the, the kind of underlying theme about it is, these moves are made not with thinking about the players, not with thinking about the players' families, um, you know, not thinking about anybody but the people who see the money, you know? So, I mean, there are certainly reasons on behalf of the schools beyond money for making these decisions. For example, like the chancellor of Washington said, oh, it's about stability. Well, you can – you can argue that, yeah, the Pac-12 is pretty unstable and we want something that's more stable. But like at the end of the day, it's money that has been motivating all of these decisions. It's not about the welfare of the student athletes. It's not about, you know, um, the mission of college athletics. It's really and to be more specific, it's really about the television dollars that are well, at stake. And, that the and, conferences and you, are that the conferences themselves have the ability to negotiate, and it's been very shark-like, you know, yeah. where these where these conferences have been. I mean, not openly, but certainly in their business dealings, have been making decisions that have been at the expense of other conferences. Um, SEC and Big Ten are really, from a financial perspective, the big boys and ACC, Pac-12, Big 12 have been sort of scrambling to keep up. And, I mean, the ACC is sitting out there right now with Florida State just itching to get out uh, from under their, you know, apparently ironclad television contract because they feel like they're not getting enough money. So it's all been motivated by these and television dollars. And then you have, you know affiliated with the ACC Notre Dame, their AD is pointing the fingers at other people uh, as they sit there as an independent. You know, they, apparently they were lobbying for Cal and Stanford for the, the ACC take Cal and Stanford with open arms. 
and towns uh and the acc basically was like uh no thank you like uh we don't we don't need them uh yeah well notre dame could have joined the acc as a full member and brought in all of their television dollars to the conference but they haven't done that have they (laughs) there's a lot of things i mean you have lane kiffin um greg sankey kind of uh turning their nose up at the big 10 expanding to the west coast um and you and know, the sec started this latest I, round with texas it, oklahoma it's, it's kind of just like uh, there's all these glass houses and everybody's sitting in them and throwing rocks in every direction everyone's pointing fingers but the truth yeah. is everyone's part of the problem everyone yeah i mean i mean the bottom. coaches are getting paid you know unbelievable amounts of money by the universities and of course some of these universities are pay- having payouts for years when they buy out contracts of coaches are trying to fire and then they're no. You know, complaining about the portal and these kids making money with NIL, going to and Carter's they're, and they're to- also like, um, you know, wringing their hands over, you know, the loss of regional conferences. It's like, no, 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 you guys are with your with your high powered agents that are, you know, yeah. leveraging all this tv money in the first place the only reason james franklin is getting whatever he got for 10 years 85 million or whatever it was is because of the amount of money penn state's making off of of the tv dollars and the schools Uh, still aren't paying the the athletes but they can but they can enter themselves in the portal to go to any conference they wish as long as the money's looking better and the grass is greener i mean we've been saying this for a couple of years and it's it's hard to it's hard to say with a straight face that this is amateur athletics you know well like it's uh, yeah, really not yeah, it's professional yeah, yeah. sports with a university stamp on it and i get it these student th- these are real student athletes but in terms of how it's run it's this is not like you know akin to high school sports at our public high school you know where would this you, is like a component of the educational program would no, you this is say a multi-million dollar endeavor yeah with the Bill, veneer multi-billion of, by the way multi-billion well, for a single university you know it's a multi-million dollar endeavor under the guise yeah but these a, but this this latest big 10 contract is was a was seven or eight billion dollar deal so it's still billions we're talking about here, especially when you consider time and what the next contracts will look like when they come up, come about. Now, Andy, I, you know, when we talk about pro sports here within, when the, within the context of Penn State football, you know, obviously Joe Paterno's rolling over in his grave, right? And yeah. Joe Paterno ran his program a very, very, very certain way, a very, a very specific way that, that was not fully received at least outwardly by the entire greater college football landscape. Um, for example, Joe's good friend, Bobby Bowden. Do you think that his, his players were, you know, had the same emphasis on, on school and good grades that Joe Pa had with his players? Um, to- I mean, yeah, I mean, that's always been kind of the right. knock on so Southern my, football in general, yeah. right? So my question here at least is, with all that said and all this money and Penn State being a part of it and, and everything and they're our team, uh, it does appear, at least on paper, that Joe Paterno does make a significant um, you know, attempt at making sure these players of his are student athletes. And he's going around. There's a, an interview 
this year from Pat Frymuth, who's with the Steelers now. You're talking, you, I think you said Joe Paterno, but I think you mean James Franklin. Oh, I meant James. I'm now speaking about James Franklin. I was talking about Joe Pat earlier. Uh, and, and that's what I'm kind of saying is that like he is carrying the torch that Joe Pa, um, you know, not passed directly to him, but like that's Joe's legacy is, is these are student athletes. And Franklin has, got, you know, it's on record by Pat Fryermuth that like his biggest pet peeve of going to Penn State and being, you know, being coached under James Franklin was that he was constantly checking in on all his players, including his star players, to make sure that they weren't missing any single classes at all. And then if, you missed, if you missed I mean, class, that's kind you of were quaint, in big trouble. Though. That's kind of quaint, though, isn't it? I mean, when you know, when this the amount of money that is rolling through this program and like what you're concerned about is you know did your tight end go to all his classes i mean it's in some ways it's lipstick on a pig in terms of what college athletics really is and i i don't know i i'm, I'm very <laughs> conflicted about it i'm very Listen, conflicted about it lipstick on a prized pig <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, fair enough. Hey, we're, you know, we're, we, we could, like I said, talk about this all yeah. day. We could have a whole podcast on it. We Easily. could have a multi-podcast series on it. Um, it's relevant information, but it's not Penn State football. So let's get into Penn State football. Yeah, let's get into Penn State football. Um, so, you know, just some, some Big Ten news real quickly to touch on. We're just like breeze by them. Northwestern hazing scandal that is as ugly as I've seen in a long time. Choir boy Pat Fitzgerald uh, summarily fired. And um, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't have a ton of thoughts on this um, currently for this pod at least. Uh, all I know is that, you know, we we Penn Staters know what it's like to have a university go through significant scandal. Obviously, ours is a much worse variety. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a shame. It's to, different to, in a lot of ways because. Yeah, totally. For you, sure. You for know, sure. this is. Current players you know, is what we're talking about. Current players with a current coaching current coach. regime. Yeah. Right. But. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, my take is that uh, maybe this is the uh, opportunity for the Big Ten to swap Northwestern for Notre Dame. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, small university, or yeah. or or you know, it is um, Northwestern's chance to hire Urban Meyer. <laughs> oh my! If I'm Urban Meyer, I want that job. If I want to stick stick to coaching, yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. John Harbaugh was going to be suspended for four games for coaching violations that that's now been canceled because the, or put on hold, put on hold. Well, yeah, because they, the, the big tent. No, yeah, no, the NCAA infractions committee wants to actually have a hearing. They they agree. So so I wonder if that means that they think that Jim Harbaugh deserves more punishment because he's such a POS or, (laughs) (laughs) I think or, they. I think they feel. I think they feel like they don't like that he. So apparently, he there was a violation, but then Harbaugh did did not agree. He's to still the not fact that he lied about it. it. He, he's not, and so I, I think they. I think the four games suspension possibility. The four game suspension came with a stipulation that he had to admit wrongdoing, and he still yeah, wouldn't do it. No, yeah, I think that's it. That's my anyway. that's my guess and opinion. All right, so that's nothing he's for a, this year. He's a but turd. He's a booger. Maybe next year. He's a booger eater. Um, <laughs> uh, Penn State news. We're gonna, we're just breezing through this because uh, we yeah. really want to get to talking about the season. Um, 
2024 recruiting rankings are going great for Penn State. Um, we've had some major D-line pickups, um, including some of the top players in the country, which is exciting because we have a – what was – was that your two-liter Dr. Pepper bottle? Blue like, White Brothers sponsored by Dr. Pepper. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, bro. I was squeezing it, and then it popped. It popped back out to shape. We need Sorry, to have, gosh. come on, get, this is you get, our preseason You get on track too. here. You get on track here. Recruiting 24. <laughs> Just saying, we got to have a pristine audio environment. We, well, we don't. We don't have it right now. I'm not in the studio. Oh my gosh. Um, Just keep talking. Uh, 2024 <laughs> class. Yeah. Uh, defensive line is a need for Penn State. So that's cool <laughs> that we got some big pickups there. Um, we got um, a, a quarterback commit, which is always huge to have a, a QB commit in the class. And he was started as a three star, but based on his summer camp performance, he's moving yeah, up. Ethan Grunkenmeyer. And by the way, he has the same exact uh, um, quarterback coach, uh, I forget his name, Brad, Brad Mendler, I think is his name, as it's Drew Aller's quarterback coach. Yeah, so a little so, bit of a pipeline forming From here, Ohio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then also a top, top-ranked running back just uh, committed not too Quentin long ago. Quentin well. Martin um, from Pennsylvania, the number one recruiting PA. This guy's big. I think I think he's like six foot four. by the way. He's at least 6'3". He's like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, six, like 210 pounds. That's a running back. Wow. Yeah, he's – this is – and he's apparently – capable of playing as a defensive back as well. Like he's a true athlete and a total stud. And, and I, we, we got a pipeline running back going right now, man, it's, it's legit. So we've got, a, you know, a top 10 class almost for sure. Once things all shake out, um, of course it won't be till after the season, Yeah, but depending on how this season goes, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, quite frankly, we, we lost a couple of higher profile um, recruiting battles with some other schools like Florida, Stanford, um, and some other schools out there. But um, the, you know, the, the thought process is that if some of these schools, uh, the Mich- Michigan state, we lost a, um, a wide receiver to them who's out of Michigan. But so if some of these schools have bad years and Penn state has the year we think we can have, I think there's a pretty good chance. We have a, um, opportunities to flip some of these more high profile guys. Um, and we could boost that, that recruiting class and maybe, maybe creep into the top five. And of course our, our recruits, you know, Penn state's known for, um, uh, scouting very well. And that's, that's continuing to be the case. And all, all of Penn State's recruits are seeing bumps in their rankings as the these camps are going on and as, as the, the season kicks off. I'm, I think it's um, some of them are poised to have big years and you can see their recruiting stars uh, climb even higher. So, Yeah, so um, we'll keep an eye on that through the season, uh, but bodes well for next year. Um, last thing um, happened over the summer, I guess. Penn State had two kind of, I don't want to say competing, but two separate NIL collectives that merged over the summer. Um, Franklin made some indications that he's pleased about that, helped to streamline and develop Penn State's engagement in this now new kind of strange aspect of recruiting which is yeah it's like, it's kind of it's kind of just can't like pay your recruits but you can have an associated collective that gets yeah. them deals and attracts big recruits so yeah Penn and State's- i think just having them both be aligned as as one merging as one is just it, it makes the process smoother and cleaner and instead of you know having all these satellite talking heads that you're dealing with um you, you, it's all consolidated into one um easy process for some of these recruits and players or 
Um, and I think the way Penn State's doing it, and it seems that we're catching up to the national standard more so. I think the way Penn State's doing it is smart. It sounds like they're not big big into um, offering like uh, considerable amounts of money to these high schoolers. I think it's more of like a, here's the tiers where you are in your career of like what we'd be willing to offer you. So instead of like being like, Oh, we got to get this kid, let's give him $8 million, which is not a thing that Penn state would or has done. Um, but it's been out there that other universities collectives have tried to do that with, with a quarterback at Florida, Jaden Rashada. Um, and that fell through and was a disaster, but it seems like Penn state has more of a like plan for like, Hey, if you're in, in this phase of your process as an athlete, um, this is like the, the range of money you can make depending on uh, and it seems like that's that's kind of like how franklin's been approaching that but we really don't actually know because no one talks about it hardly ever <laughs> yeah i haven't been offered any nil money from Penn state <laughs> so i don't have any direct experience you you don't have any likeness <laughs> <laughs> i've got an image but no likeness <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> oh man. Well, um, look, let's um let's jump in uh to the season overview. All right. Um that's enough for news and notes. Thanks for thanks for playing, everyone. And yeah. by the way, we we about doubled our time on news and notes, and that was Did without we? even trying. Yeah. I, I, hey, listen, I don't have I can't see the, the outline. This is on you. Right? You have to steer this ship. That's that's your job. I'm doing my best. Let's have got some pretty heavy headwinds here. Uh, I, this is our first episode. <laughs> what do you want? Um, but yeah, the, the news and notes, um, you know, what, what I want to do as we're talking about the season is, uh, first of all, just to capture our big picture thoughts and expectations, less than two weeks, Penn state's going to be under the lights hosting West Virginia for the first time. in I think like 20 years or something like that, maybe 30 and we're going to yeah, more than 20 for sure. We're going to see a Penn state squad that we you know since we last saw them at the rose bowl um it seems to have only gotten better even after losing uh you know six-year starter sean clifford um what are you expecting for this team man like you were comparing well, us to 2017 like you know what what are you thinking like this well, is your chance to like first real quick i uh, thought on west virginia I, these are the types of games that i like I want Penn State to be playing it all the time. Like, is West yeah. Virginia supposed to be good? No, not necessarily. But, like, the brand, they, they call them helmet games. Like, the West Virginia helmet against the Penn State helmet. You know, like, like Penn State playing Indiana doesn't do it for me. Penn State playing or Maryland Miami doesn't. Miami of Ohio. Yeah, right. Or, you know, Kent State. You know, Dante Sebas' former team. Sorry, no no disrespect. But, you know, you know when, when these other four teams come into the Big Ten, Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA, these helmet games are going to get even juicier. But, so I'm excited for this West Virginia game from from that historical yeah, standpoint. And from you know they've got a rabid fan base. They got a, a um, you know tradition over there at West Virginia for sure. Um, but but when it comes to the Penn State helmet and the Penn State side of things in 2023, you know we've got superstars all over this field, Andy. We have the possibility of several first rounders on this team. And and for me, you know, there's excitingness on, on the on the obviously on the offensive side with breaking in five star Drew Aller, and we have Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. Um, but to me, this this is feels like a like you know we're we're, we're used to hard hitting like 
just ferocious defense, historically speaking, at Penn State, and, and namely from the linebacking position. And we've got a defense at every level that has stars. And especially at linebacker, we've got stars. And, and then of course, at defensive end, we've got stars. And so when I, when I think about 2017, you know, I don't think that that defense had remotely the kind of star power and skills and depth that we've got. Uh, we've got athletes all over the field, ma'am. I mean, Kalen King, Curtis Jacobs, Abdul Carter, Deza Isaac is a redshirt senior, finally ready to be as healthy as he's ever been in his career. Um, you got Chop Robinson and you got da- uh, Danny Deny Sutton. Yeah, that's Deny. Deny Dennis Sutton. Yeah, Deny Dennis. There you go. <laughs> Danny Deny Dennis Sutton. Okay. <laughs> wow. All right. So, anyways, the point being, so I don't really think of this defense having any relation to, to that 2017 team, but you know what defense comes to mind when I think of this defense? The well, ninth. Let's hear it. The 1999 defense comes to mind. Okay. And, and I just, you know, LaVar Arrington and Courtney Brown and Brandon Short. We had oh, yeah. studs yeah, all over sure. that field on the defense, man. All Americans. Brandon Short was an All American. LaVar Arrington was an All American. Courtney Brown was an All American. And this defense has the ability to have multiple All-Americans on it. First team All-Americans. And that's that excites me about this team is is Manny Diaz's second full year. And some of and these, you know, this is Chop Robinson's second year um, with the team and and at his position uh, coming from Maryland. And this is Abdul Carter's, you know, soft true sophomore season under. I just and Curtis Jacobs coming back when he could have entered the NFL draft. That's a, a like a very significant um, returning player to me for this defense. So I'm just I'm excited to see these guys flying all over the field and Manny Diaz's defense after, you know, he probably could have taken any number of jobs last year. So, I mean, I can get on board with all of that. Um, I mean, I remember that 99 team, especially before those last three games and how yeah. fun that was. I mean, I think yeah. that was a year of the LeVar leap, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. And, um, it, you know, just watching a, an exciting dominant defense is is really, really it's just I mean, fun to watch another team struggle on offense when you're well, overwhelming I, them from with your defense. And, especially in the biggest games, right? And, and like for me, I remember the 2016 uh, game against Ohio State, which we won. Yeah, like I guess it was yeah. the last game we beat Ohio State, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, which sucks to think that. And like we didn't necessarily have a particularly good defense that year. But, you know, most people remember the, you know, block six but i remember the time that was on the clock after that yeah, yeah when ohio state had the football for like four minutes and we harassed their quarterback who was at braxton miller or whatever and like no it was J- multi- jt barrett jt barrett sorry um multiple times yeah Kabinda and, like, and evan swan were getting after him it was our defense yeah. shutting them down that yeah. for me was like so rewarding certainly but i would say for me as I look at this team, I'm going to take this. I have a different take from you, sure. which is to say, I'm really excited for this offense. Cause I feel like for, I mean, really since that 2016, 2017 offense, when we had trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley and some of those great receivers and the Joe Moorhead, like sling it type of offense. Like I've been waiting for a Penn state offense. That's truly fun to watch. And I think this could be the year. 
I really, th- you know, we it, got. It could be our, our most balanced offense under the in the Franklin era. Balanced is not necessarily what I would use to describe what I hope because I mean, well, balance in terms of like yardage, sure, like good yeah, running, yeah, game, yeah, good yeah, passing, yeah. but game. it could be explosively balanced, explosive <laughs> on both the running and the passing game, where you have last year's run game, which was, you know, really dominant in almost every game except, you know, maybe the Michigan game. But then to add to it an explosive passing game where you can hit the long bomb, where you can, you know, tear people apart, slice and dice them Let's with put the it accuracy this way. and arm strength and arm talent of Drew Aller. If that materializes for me, I'm like, <laughs> we could be unstoppable. And that yeah. I, it feels like it feels like hyperbole to say that. But I mean, I think if things fall into place on the passing game and a run game is as good as we expect. I mean, and we'll talk well, about Annie, the offense. Annie, we'll talk Sean about Clifford's the defense. An NFL up, but quarterback. To me, to me, to me, I'm excited about the offense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sean Clifford's an NFL quarterback, um, and, <laughs> and Drew Aller could be, you know, a, a significant upgrade from the arm talent standpoint, and of course, even the measurable. Congratulations standpoint. to Sean Clifford on yeah. making your NFL preseason debut. Two touchdowns, I believe. No, no, yeah, no. One well, touchdown. Well, two, one he, touchdown. He let, he let multiple touchdown drives. Right, and right, right. He had he had one touchdown drive touchdown for the opposing pass. team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, six, six. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so, so anyway, and, Sean Clifford. Anyways, um, you know, Drew could be a significant upgrade, but so if he so the idea is that like probably Cliff left a lot on the table last year. Um, and, you know, just for, I don't know if he ever really there was there was a critique after that game of Clifford's for the Packers, that preseason game uh, the other day. And the critique was that he's late, meaning he's late on his throws <laughs> and timing. Yeah, you don't say. Well, so so and an offense <laughs> offense is very predicated upon timing. And so a lot was probably left on the table in Sean's career, which was by the way, a record setting career. And if that timing gets down between Drew Aller and his receivers and these, you know, the, the three guys that are coming back from Penn state's roster last year, um, you know, Keandre Lambert Smith, Amari Evans, Trey Wallace, those guys all have like four, four level speed, if not faster. Um, and if the timing gets down on that kind of speed, and then you have a guy coming in, Dante Cephas, who has significant experience in production um, at the FBS level, he's the guy that's like catches everything in his in sight, and he has you know the Jahan Dotson level catch radius type stuff, um, and he's just consistent, um, and he could be the underneath guy maybe a little bit more, and dice you know slice and dice from from the underneath. Um, and I'm even hearing that Theo Johnson has gotten bigger and faster too. And that guy's six six, approaching two seventy. So we have some weapons in the passing game for Mike Yursich in his now. By the way, third year. James Franklin at Penn State has never had a third year offensive coordinator. So we're going to talk about all this when we do our uh, offensive yeah. breakdown here in a bit. Um, let me shift a little bit to we've talked about some of the reasons for hope and excitement. What reasons for concern do you have going into the season from the big picture? I don't I'm not talking about specific like uh, athletes or personnel groups, but just I mean, Andy, it's, in the big picture, we still have to go through 
two college <laughs> football playoff East. teams. Yeah, we're yeah. we're yeah. we're in the toughest division in all of college football. Put it so, this way. So, well, hold on. Well, well James Franklin, it, it, it by all counts, everybody's in agreement about this. This is Penn State and James Franklin's most talented roster yes, in his ten, right. now tenth year. And the problem is that it's also Michigan's best team under Jim Harbaugh, and it's po- yeah. it's possibly um, Ohio State's best team. I mean, obviously, we're breaking a new quarterback too. But the point is, they have like superstars all over their roster, twice as many yeah, as they we were do. <laughs> ahead of us, and they're still moving forward. Right? Is this level of talent that Penn State's going to field, and the coaching, and all that kind of stuff? Is it enough not only to sort of keep up with them in these? college football arms race, but to actually get over the hump and uh, beat one or two of those teams while also managing not to lose some of the other ones. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's, that's been James M. O. is on his best teams. He's always like lost one. He shouldn't lose. So we'll see what, you know, his Franklin has Franklin evolved along with this this team's roster. You know, we've watched we've watched the the Penn State roster evolve over Franklin's tenure uh, to the point of this depth that we have now is is like we're, we're it's pretty impressive. Yeah, it really is. it actually is. And you know, Andy, the one we haven't we'll get into it, but like we haven't even mentioned the offensive line one time yet. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like one of the things that you can see for this year is. Um, you know, the strength on the front for both the offense and the defense there, you know, there's some concern about the defensive tackles, but more or less on the, um, on the defensive line and on the offensive line, you know, Penn state has been really recruiting hard in order to kind of make up ground for the other teams in the, you know, big 10, um, especially Ohio state and Michigan could this be the year <laughs> that, you know, we're on par and, and and now all of a sudden, like, we're not starting every game with a little bit of a deficit on the offensive line and the defensive line compared to those, quote unquote, elite teams? I don't know. We won't really know until we see him take the field. But that's a reason for optimism. It's also a reason for concern just because, again, you've got to put it together in actuality when you take the field. So... It- yeah, it does seem like we have the ability to be better on both the offensive line and defensive line than than we ever have been before. So let's um, let's take a step away from the theoretical and talk about some of the practical application of Penn State's uh, team development, which is the schedule as it stands. Um, you know, I kind of like Penn State's schedule this year for what it's worth. Um, we already talked about we're starting with a night game, West Virginia, kicking off the NBC uh, extravaganza with a Big Ten. Um, we shift to, I don't even know why we're playing this game, a home <laughs> game at noon versus Delaware, the Blue Hens. Um, it's really, I mean, that strikes me like a, it's a scrimmage. Um, it's, to get, it's to get experience for the backups. <laughs> no, Where, really. Drew, Drew Seriously. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, the, Drew Aller plays a half, and then you get Bo Perbula in there, and you see what these – this is a depth-building game. That's a depth-building game, a depth-experience-building game for sure. So then we shift into a, a tricky stretch. All three of our games 
with the West Division are back to back to back. Um, we're at Illinois. Our first road game hey, again tell me, is also tell me if you've heard first, this before. <laughs> yeah, our first Big Ten game is a road game. Um, we're at Illinois. Then we're home versus Iowa, who a lot of people are saying is a a dark horse for the Big Ten West. Um, in fact, they may even be a favorite for the Big Ten West. Did you know they have Cade McNamara and his Michigan tight end Eric Castoff? Yeah, and by the way, Cade McNamara led Michigan to, to a college football uh, playoff, <laughs> to a win against Ohio State and yeah. a college football playoff yeah. appearance. And mm-hmm. they said, um, "Thanks, but uh, we're going to go with this other guy." And so now he's with Iowa, and now so unfortunately, Iowa now has a serviceable quarterback. Well, we'll play them. They don't have a serviceable first. offensive coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, I mean, and our, I, we should. It, it's worth mentioning that Brian Ferentz, whose boss is not his own father, but the AD who's now left, by the way, Gary Barta uh, has left. The, uh, so the idea is that he signed a contract that if he doesn't average 25 points per game this season, then he can be fired. <laughs> What it's a way. the most absurd contract in the history of offensive coordinators in college football history. I mean, I mean yeah. Uh, like, okay, so so are they going to run it up against the teams that, that are that are worse than them? Like sixty oh, point? They you absolutely. Know, I mean, they, it's going to be they an interesting. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Yeah. So <laughs> they have they have one game where they it's one hundred and twenty to nothing. I I hope <laughs> I well I hope the that that uh, at the end of the season. You can look back to a game like the Penn State uh, Iowa game, a whiteout in Beaver Stadium, the end of September. Oh, that's um, right! It's the whiteout. It'll, it'll be a beautiful game. It'll be a. Be- I was a great white whiteout opponent, in my opinion. Um, but I hope we, like, I hope our defense like overwhelms them, overwhelms them, and just like just at the end of the season, I want to be able to look back at that Iowa game and be like, are we the reason that they didn't get the 25 points per game on average? <laughs> <laughs> that, I, I mean, maybe that. we humiliate their Are we the reason Kirk off- Ferentz and Brian Ferentz yeah. get fired? <laughs> <laughs> the start of the end. <laughs> yeah. Hey, wow. um, yeah. So I, that's going to be a big game. End of September. Um, second to last game um, in September. And right in the middle of that three-game stretch. And um, by the way, we didn't really talk about Illinois. Um, Illinois last year was making all kinds of waves. If they take a step forward this year, that could be a really tough game in the third game of the season for a Drew Aller-led team, you know, just still getting its feet wet. Um, It's going to be tough for them to to put a step forward when they lost their defensive coordinator and several draft picks, several high draft picks from their defense. I I think they could actually take a step back for what it's worth. Well, um, so after Illinois away, after Iowa at home with the whiteout, then we go on the road again to Evanston, Illinois, where we get to play the Northwestern Wildcats. uh, Scrimmage. That that (laughs) has... that has been not doing well the last few years and um, has just the wheels have fallen off that team. As we talked about, they might hit a full, full reset over there at Northwestern. We might, we might find. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what this team does. Um, By the way, there was some, you know, social media controversy where, you know, the coaches were wearing some t-shirt that, that I don't know. Pat Fitzgerald's number on it and said cats against the world. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And their own, and their own, 
like, uh, you know, administration was like this. We do not approve of this. This is tone deaf. This is, you know, not knowing your Which, audience. By the way, <laughs> you know, if the hazing was really happening like they said it was, I mean, yes, absolutely fire the head coach. But why are all the other coaches still there? Uh, I mean, that's that's the that's the weird thing about this is the players and coaches that, you know, conducted and knew about all this. No one's been removed other than, you know, Tim Fitzgerald. Uh, sorry. Is it, what's, it? <laughs> what's his what? name? What's Pat his name? Fitzgerald. There I'm sorry. I have a buddy in the Marine Corps whose name is Jim Fitzgerald and it's in my brain. Sorry. Yeah. Hopefully he wasn't as involved in hazing as Pat Fitzgerald was. No, he was more so actually. <laughs> Uh, story for another time. All right. Yeah. So, um, that Northwestern game, um, so that, that concludes our three games with the West division. I mean, I think two out of three of them are going to be tough. Um, two out of three of them on the road for what yeah. it's worth. Um, yeah. but, um, then we have a bye week and things get interesting after the bye. uh, October 14th homecoming game against, powerhouse UMass. That's a strange homecoming opponent. I mean, because of where they put the three West Division I get games, it. Like, I get it. typically Penn State's going to have three kind of two or three light teams right in a row, but the, the, well, UMass got kind of kicked to mid-October. It's interesting. If we're if we're sitting at a undefeated record coming out of the bye, and then you have Not a UMass. If we will be. <laughs> you ha- I mean, Call you it. have a UMass game as homecoming right after the bye and on the heels of the UMass game, that's when you're at Ohio state. Yeah. I, I like that. That will be tested on the road at Illinois. That'll help. I like the way this kind of like progresses as a, as a, uh, what are all these games doing for us, you know, leading into the Ohio state game. I, I like that we have that big, big, you know, open the season with that, that, you know, primetime opponent. And then I like that we get a little, a little gimme game right after that. And then we go on the road and like start sinking our teeth into some of the meat of this schedule um, yeah. with Illinois and Iowa. And, and, you know, I like, I like having Iowa at home. I like that being the, the, you know, the, the, the whiteout. And I just, and, and it really starts building, um, building up to like the, this crescendoing after that into the Ohio state game with being able to get a lot of guys experience in those first um, slates of games. And, you know, I think, I think what, in my opinion, um, that th- these coaches are really thinking big picture with the, with the roster and how they utilize them game to game and in the game. Um, there are going to be a lot of rotating players. I think a lot, I think a lot of freshmen, maybe not as many as last year, but I think a lot of freshmen are going to get a lot of work. Uh, some could lose their, lose their red shirts, um, you know, but in this Ohio state game, even, because I think they're thinking about a 15 game schedule with how they're using their roster all season. Yeah, well, you'd hope so. I mean, so, that, so be- by the Ohio state game, you know, I think a lot of the roster is going to see a lot of game experience and, and also get, you know, worked in that Ohio state game too. Cause you know, watching, you know, remove the Clifford interceptions to JT two mile low out of, of Ohio state last year. You know, we were in that game with them until the very end more so yeah. more or less last, you know? last nine minutes uh, were disastrous, but up to that point we were, we were in it. Um, yeah. 
so, you know, I think talent-wise and scheme-wise, Penn State was, and honestly, that was a surprise to me, how well we hung, especially after the Michigan game last year. It should how be well a we surprise. Hung. We play them well all the time. You know, I mean, I was feeling particularly down on the team after that Michigan performance, you know, just felt like exposed Penn State for being a paper tiger. But, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that we hung with Ohio State, I mean, it, I think talent-wise and scheme-wise, that's a matchup that we have an opportunity to, you know, if, if we play our best game against that opponent we have a chance you know and i don't know what ohio state's doing leading into that game but the fact that we have a bye and umass we've it's halfway through the season we'll hopefully have had a chance to work out all the kinks we it's an opportunity to be really hitting you know barring injury uh, barring any kind of craziness we have it's really a chance to be hitting our stride at that point in the season and we go into the horseshoe at ohio stadium and my question for you is bro do you know? And I don't. Yes. Do you know the last time we won? Yes. At Ohio Stadium. When I do. Was that? Uh, Pat Devlin came in for a concussed Daryl Clark in, I believe, 2008. I mean, my goodness, that's 15 years. I was bro. in I was in Iraq on my second deployment. Um, oh, wait, or was it 2000? Yeah, it was 2000 years yeah. since yeah. we've won. Yeah. yeah. At Ohio okay. State. So, so but here's what's interesting about Ohio State this year is they're like us breaking in a new quarterback, but Kyle McCord didn't get nearly as much game time last year uh, as, as Drew Aller did in my opinion. Um, so it's, it'll be, it'll be a battle of the new quarterbacks of these two teams, but it'll, it'll be more like um, who's further along in their, you know, progression as the starting quarterback. You know, there's yeah. talk, there's talks that, that, that Pat, uh, no, sorry, um, Devin Brown behind, um, Devin Brown behind the, the quarterback who's behind Kyle McCord. There's actually talks that he might be a better quarterback or a better, um, I don't talk. know why that is, honestly. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, Joel is saying, we won in the horseshoe in 2011. That's right. That was Tom Bradley's team after Joe Pa um, uh, was removed for, uh, from his head coaching responsibilities, if I remember correctly. Um, anyways, so the 2011. Home, that's still yeah, it's uh, a while. Heck of a long time. Twelve years ago. Um, some kids. It's a long time. You, to some lose. kids who are fans of, of the team right now do not remember that. That's for sure. So. So all, all I'm saying is there's a chance that we could move ahead of Ohio State here in the pecking order if Drew Aller is the guy and Kyle yeah, McCord hasn't he, quite done it or he or he or he stumbles along the way and, and well Devin the other Brown side of the coin too is what's the development of our defense at that point? I mean at, sure. at, our, at our defense Stadium is gonna be year. our defense is gonna be ahead of of our defense last year. I I will Put money At Beaver on it. Stadium last year, it was Ohio State's defense that took control of the game in the last. It was Sean 10 Clifford minutes. throwing interceptions to defensive ends. Well, but you know, similar on the flip side of that coin, Ohio State's offense did get, uh, I believe, a touchdown as well, and and so our defense was not able to get the stop we needed, and their defense, you know, was able to be disruptive enough. And, and I'm going to say Manny Diaz learned, learns from that, and I'm going to say he's so. a better defensive coordinator than than Jim Knowles over over at Ohio State is. And I think two year two years into the system, Manny Diaz is going to have a much better 
Uh, and by the way, it'll be Jim Knowles' second year, I believe, um, if I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so we'll you know, circle your calendar October 21st. Um, it's probably on Fox and probably a big noon kick, which actually probably helps Penn State on that day. But uh, circle, cal- circle calendars for October 21st, that's, that's the biggest game of the season up to that point for any Penn state fan. Um, we follow that game with a little bit of a breather, uh, back home versus Indiana. I don't know anything about Indiana. Um, other than they, this is a Tom, this is a Tom, uh, what's his last name? The head coach there, Tom Allen. It's his, it's probably going to be his last year. They're going to be bad this year. That should be a pretty easy victory. He's going to get fired. (laughs) And then, um, for the first, Saturday in October, we head to Maryland, uh, November 4th. And, um, I gotta say, I'm a little irritated at the national press who are talking about Maryland as being in the same tier as Penn state this year. I don't get it other than, you know, Talia Tagovailoa being, you know, a decent quarterback for them, but I don't see that they have anything remotely comparable to Penn state on any part of their team other than possibly, you know, a half decent quarterback. Uh, they got some skill any, guys. They got some skill guys. Any eventuality other than uh, significant injuries on Penn state where Maryland is even making this a game. Penn state. We need second, to watch out for this game. Penn state's second string defense could totally stymie Maryland's offense. So la- last year we beat them. What? 30 to nothing. Do you know like, like that. Franklin's record at, in College Park? It it's like first of all, I don't think he's lost in College Park. Secondly, we blow the doors off. We of blow the doors Maryland off them in College Park. Yeah, blow literally blow the we blow the doors off them last year. But we like that one year. What we went like fifty nine to seven or something like that. Like we just obliterate them in College Park. Now I'm not saying I'm not saying we're going to win sixty to nothing necessarily. Um, but here's what I do know: they don't have offensive lines and defensive lines to stack up to our defensive line and offensive line. They don't. We're going to harass Talia. Like he's, I, I'd be one to bet. We last year we, we harassed him quite a bit and he, he couldn't get anything going in the game. Yeah, he could not get anything going. Now he, he had lost one or two of his top receivers by that point in the season, but um, he just did not seem like he was able to move the offense at all. We totally shut them. We're going to overwhelm them. We're going to overwhelm them again. It's going to be a, it's going to be a drubbing. For sure. So that's at Maryland. Mike Loxley's Hope- best team, by the way, and everybody thinks he, you know he's going to go eight and four. <sighs> I or, think they're far, far, far away from being anywhere close to you know the top three in the East. But, but hey, let him think that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then we come back home for the stripe out game against Michigan. November eleventh. Uh, circle your calendars. This is the other big one, obviously. Um, it's already been picked up by Fox. That's going to be a noon kick again. I think that that benefits the visiting team because it's, you know, it's just crappy that you have a noon football you know, game. You'd think that with Fox the owning the opponents. rights, yeah, I don't, I, I get why Fox does this. It's because of their bait, their world series bait and baseball slates. Yeah. Um, they I mean, by this point, the World Series is over. So maybe, maybe Fox puts it a little bit. No better. way, zero chance. <laughs> they gotta. They They're gotta. Brand, run, they branded you know, this. They branded it's this. So it's it's not working, Fox. Y- yeah. Nobody likes the big noon kick. 
you know, if it's at, I don't know. It's, it's whatever. It, it, I, I don't know how, how I feel about it ultimately, other than the fact that I just don't like it. Um, but it's perturbing. So, so this Michigan game will be one, this will be a, a nationally relevant game, just like the Ohio state game. But at this point in the season, the stakes get even higher. Um, oh, by the way, Penn state uh, athletics is already saying the game is at noon. Yeah, I know that I'm aware. So, <laughs> That's why I said it's zero not chance. a question. It is the noon. I, I know that. <laughs> so, so, you know, this will be one of the most watched games of the season, nationally speaking. Yeah, um, assuming and, both teams have been doing what, it has been expected. Well, you know. let, let's put it this way. If we get by Ohio State, Michigan is likely to be undefeated at this point. I we, think highly likely. We are the first opponent that they will face that is even, you know, the, there's like not a question that they will run the table to our game. Their schedule is so unbelievably easy. It's like more egregiously easy than Georgia's and Georgia's been getting raked over the coals for their schedule more, uh, uh, quite a bit. But this is the like second or third year in a row that Michigan's non-con schedule is pathetic. And and they even yeah. Michigan even canceled a game with UCLA, I think it was, um, that was supposed to be played uh, this year. And Michigan canceled it. So obviously they're afraid of competition, um, clearly. And when they're making their own schedule. So it'll be great to see us go to 10 when we have you know 10 conference games and we get these other guys into the Big Ten. And Michigan can't skirt around the fact that they've got to play some harder opponents. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm thinking I'm thinking that that'll be a very, very difficult game. This might be, you know, we've kind of traded blows with, with uh, Michigan for, for years now. And the home team has, by and large, kind of mopped the field with the, with the opponent. Um, and uh, this this could be I think this could be one of those like one score type games when it comes down to it. I mean, I I would love a one score game against Michigan based on you know the way last year went. Um, I think we got the know, upper hand we, here. I, I, yeah, this I think to me is the game that we're least likely to win on paper. Just because I think Beaver, of, of I think history. you throw Beaver Stadium into it, and it totally turns that thinking on its head. I mean, I sure hope so. I, I sure hope so because we we definitely need to make sure Michigan doesn't get on a roll against us. But you know, their offense is old school, and you know, our defense will not have faced anything like it. Uh, it'll be a real test. I think it'll also be a real test for our offense to see can if Michigan starts to you know, get their ground game going. Can our offense keep up um, and keep the pressure on going into the fourth quarter? Um, well, I think everybody's going to be looking collapsed at, in everyone's going to be looking at our defensive line and what they can do to stop this running game. And the idea that, you know, famous Franklin famously said last year is that, you know, we're not big enough up front. And, and a lot of those guys took that to heart. Um, Hakeem Beeman went from 250 pounds to like 284 pounds, you know, and he's our, he's our lead guy there, you know, Richard senior. Um, and I, the, the idea is that, you know, a lot of these other guys have gained weight to the in that 300 pound range. Um, and, and that's because of what Franklin said, <laughs> you know, Zane Duran put on some weight. Um, I mean, that would, that would be great. And, you know, I, I was, I just pulled up, uh, Michigan's schedule for what it's worth. The only opponent of note 
before Penn State, and this is their what ninth game of the season at we're, that we're, point. We're, we're, I think it's we're the their only tenth, game of we're their tenth game. Yeah, we're their tenth game. The only game of note is against Michigan State two weeks yeah. before, and they're not supposed you know, to do much in the league. They this play year. Minnesota uh, in the West. So is Minnesota going to be good? Yeah, probably not. But you know, they got Indiana, Purdue. Nebraska, Bowling Green, UNLV, East Carolina before us. You know, um, there's a non-zero chance that Nebraska decides to 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 get up for a game with with Matt Rule. I think Nebraska and Minnesota could potentially surprise Michigan. Potentially, you know, yeah. if Michigan's sleeping and Michigan State always wants to. Hey, uh, Michigan had some Michigan. sleeper games last year, dude. Uh, Maryland yep. gave them a run. Illinois gave them a run. It wasn't like they just skated through their entire schedule last but year. But what so. I'm saying is it's very likely that Penn State's the first team with a caliber athlete. Yeah, I got Michigan you. Faces. I and I it'll be a real interesting test of both teams. Um, you know, Michigan Penn State will bring their have been tested, I think, with Iowa, with Ohio State, and then, you know, with Michigan. Um, we'll know a lot more about the Penn State game, Penn State team by the time we get to that point in the schedule. Yeah. Um, we wrap up our last two games are um, November 18th versus Rutgers. That's our senior day, our last game in Beaver Stadium. Um, I don't expect that to be anything other than kind of a palate cleanser from whatever happened the week before. And then we go to Michigan State to play. Um, It'll go to Lansing. It'll go to Lansing. Not at their home stadium. We're going to play playing at Ford Field on a Friday night. Again, a primetime NBC game to close out the season. We start and close uh, on a marquee nationally televised game um, on NBC. And, um, you know, this one will be in the dome at Michigan State. I think this really is a huge advantage to Penn State with our athletes and our speed. And we, you know, eliminate the weather issues and, um, I, I don't know what Michigan State's going to be able to uh, bring this season, but I, I think I'm excited about the the way this finishes, and it's better than being uh, in Lansing uh, outdoors. I think it's going to be fun to be in a stadium. Well, and on top of that, you know, we recruit the state of Michigan, and guys, you have been Kay- doing it well. Kalen King is from Detroit. His twin brother Kobe King is from Detroit. Um, and by the way, just fun fact, the draft is being held in Detroit. Um, and Kalen King hopefully is our first cornerback ever drafted in the first round in his hometown. That'd be kind of cool. But so, so this also favors Penn, the Penn State fan crowd. I think we have the opportunity to potentially, you know, go in there and get up, a, you know, take up a lot of the tickets for that game, which will be, you know, interesting, especially with it being Thanksgiving weekend, you know. Yeah, that, because that was, um, Michigan State. They won't not have the students automatically get the yeah. student section. They don't like like all of those fans are going to have to you know purchase this as a separate game, and so and, a lot of Penn State fans could get in there. By the way, it's Thanksgiving weekend, so that's Thanksgiving that's, Friday. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so so the idea that that you know like if Penn State is eleven and, and zero or ten and one, you know a, a shot at the playoff is on the line in that game. So the Penn State faithful may just come out of the woodwork for that. That's you know? true. Um, that could, I, I, right. I might even be among among them. Uh, if for there a game are like that. big stakes for that game, I, I definitely think you could see a lot of Penn State yeah. fans um, showing up for that. It's definitely little, driving distance from Penn from like, yeah. uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Fun little uh, side uh, note about NBC primetime having these games. 
we have two former Penn State great quarterbacks on the on the call um, over at NBC. You have um, Michael Robinson in the in the studio there. Um, this is a big deal for him um, getting a, a big time gig like this. Uh, he I, I, I actually remember um, back when he was in a senior in college. They asked him like you know they sometimes ask players like Hey, what do you want to do when you're done with football? And he was like, I want to be. I want to be, you know, in, in the press, in the media. And it's fun to see that, that that's, how, you know, what he's ended up doing with his life and career post post uh, winning a Super Bowl in the Seattle Seahawks. But we also have our good buddy. Um, uh, wow. Uh, what, what's his name? The quarterback. Uh, one national title. Penn State. Todd Blackledge. Todd Blackledge. My brain totally blanked. He's going to be and on that, the call. for. Uh, I did for not all realize – that, oh, I did that. not realize he jumped over from ESPN. Oh yeah, he's the he's the, the lead guy for all these games. Um, That's good. I like him. Not just Penn um, State. Not just not just because he's a Penn Stater. I think he's a good commentator. I really do. Yeah. I, oh yeah, I, he's he's one of the best in the game at this point in time, for sure. He he's probably one. He's probably like number two underneath Kirk and and uh, uh, yeah. Fowler. So, um, so that's our schedule. Um, like I said, I, I mean, obviously we got to go through the East. We got a couple of tough West opponents, but I really like how the schedule shakes out. It allows for challenge throughout the season, uh, development and, um, puts us, I think in a really good position for the key games against our, our top three, um, big 10 East opponents, Ohio state, Michigan and Michigan state. I don't think it's necessarily one of the hardest schedules in the country. It's not one of the easiest, um, but uh, you know, I think it's one that we we could surprise some folks, and we gotta show it on the field, of course. But um, I like this schedule this year; I really do. I honestly think Ohio State uh, could come in. Uh, they play Notre Dame and they play at Wisconsin. Those are two games that are real tricky for them. Yeah, this Notre honestly, Dame's two this weeks honestly does, us. This schedule honestly feels like the type of schedule that Penn State can really possibly take a step forward could at least, we take at least advantage? over top of Ohio State. It feels like it's a, could it's a we po- take advantage. It's a possibility. It's an opportunity. I really feel that way. So you're telling me there's a chance. It kind of feels that way. Um well look, um that's what we got to look for. I there's a lot of good football to be had here. That's one of the reasons I'm really, really excited about this season. Let's take a shift and bring Joel Bettner on because it's time to go by the numbers. Not alert by the numbers. Not alert by the numbers. Not alert by the numbers. All right. I, I think you should go to, to one, one less, one less <laughs> by the numbers nerd alert. <laughs> but I love I, it. <laughs> Are you just giving editing suggestions on the yeah, air? Like, yeah, I sure am. Thanks, bro. Appreciate <laughs> yeah, the support. You're welcome. Joel, yeah. glad to have you on the show, man. Howdy, fellas. <laughs> glad to be here. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, Drove by yeah. Beaver Stadium yesterday. Oh, my oh, goodness. Wow. Oh, you're on East Coast, huh? I am. Well, um, and I'm closer to your home than you are right now. <laughs> we've been uh, talking. Uh, there's a lot of hot air that's been expressed between the two of us about uh, topics going into the season. And uh, part of why you're here is to keep us honest by um, putting some hard facts and figures and uh, hard predictions on what's coming. Um, what do you have for us, Joel? All right, just a quick recap of where we stood from our, our warm up round. It doesn't count 
just like uh, whose line is it anyway? Um, but we have to scrap the first question about where Penn State would be in the AP poll because it hasn't come out yet. Uh, but if we were to go by ESPN's predictions, uh, it looks like Penn State's going to be ranked number 10. So I think Tom would have taken taken that that question, but unfortunately it's scrapped. Andy predicted seven, Tom predicted nine. Well, I guess I, you know, I think I think we're going to have you back um, on our last preseason episode. So let's yeah, just you, put a pin we, in it. We can that we one. can we can score that for you know after the fact. Uh, and, and and these predictions were made what how long ago? Back in back in when was it? Six April? months ago. May June April. Uh, yeah, so four months ago. Yeah, gotcha. But I do think Andy takes the win in the warm up round. Uh, bolstered by his prediction that Will Levis would go 16th in the draft, while Tom predicted he would go 4th. Do you fellas remember oh, where he actually went? Yeah. Was third round. He, 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 was, third round, he was the he? 33rd pick uh, right after round, yeah. Joey Porter Jr. Um, and 32nd ended up being the first of the second round due to Miami Dolphins losing a pick for some, I forget, like a, a penalty. Had a penalty I remember the sort. drama of that because he was um, – he left like at the end of the first day and was like, I'm not coming back. Yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah, he yeah. was so, yeah. he had been told that he was going to get drafted the first round and he was just befuddled that it didn't happen. It made perfect sense to me, but yeah, I haven't heard anything about Will Levis. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him either. To be honest with you, I haven't heard much at all. He's over he's down in Tennessee. I, I don't think it's because he's not going to start this year. Um, well, because, Sean Clifford's not going to start, but I heard about him. <laughs> well, it's a good point. <laughs> uh, well, let's, point. Uh, let's jump into our, so th- none of that really matters. Let's just, that was just to get yeah. your feet, feet, uh, warmed up, dip your toe in the pool. Now you're, now you're diving in. These questions count. Okay. Okay. We've got West Virginia coming up. Super exciting. We got a bunch of unknowns in the long, that, uh, that unknown train. Um, we don't know who our, like how our team is going to mesh, how who's going to perform well or not. Uh, that, so that's what I'm theming this after. And it's going to be centered largely around, as all football games are, the quarterback. So the first question, just for fun, is how many times do you think the announcers will mispronounce his last name? Will, will they be, how many <laughs> times will they say Al-R rather than Aller? Well, wait, if, no, I just have a question. Are you going to count? I'm going to count this. I'm yes, counting this. I like it. I like and, it. And Andy, Andy, you get to, you get to go first. Okay. This is just for the West Virginia game? Just the, the West Virginia season? game. Just the West Virginia game. <laughs> okay. And it's, it's, um, it's going to start at kickoff. At not, kickoff? Not, not, not pre? Not pre? pre? Yeah, because they might be talking. They're obviously going to be talking about them pre Pre-game, but yeah, that's, yeah. That you're talking count. about the actual game announcers, not the once kickoff kicks off, and, and then once the clock hit, clock hits zero. Well, I just mm. want to say for the record, um, <laughs> I listened to a <laughs> I listened to a podcast which Tom shared with me um, by uh, uh, what's his name, who was our um, tight end that that ended yeah, up Adam, Adam Brenneman. Adam Brenneman had had Drew on, and um, he asked him. How for the last time, you know, for the record, how do we pronounce your last name? And it was Aller. Yeah. Uh, to Drew yeah. Aller. Said, yeah. And- that's how you pronounce his name. So this, this to me is definitive proof that that's the correct way to pronounce his name. Apparently, Franklin still has problem pronouncing his name correctly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
right. So, Andy, go, go ahead. Let's hear your prediction in the game. How many 60 times, minutes of gameplay. How many times will it be mispronounced as, as Alar? Yeah. Um, I'm going... I'm going four. I'm going to go. I'm so, and, and to be clear, how, how, what if we're one off, you know, like who, who's what, not prices, is, right rules. It is. Okay. Not prices right so rules. it would be a tie. <laughs> it was a six. And yeah. it was five. Yeah. That's, that was my, my curiosity, but basically I could pick five and be right. If, if it's six or higher. <laughs> That's true. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to pick five because I'm a smart guy. <laughs> That's right. Locking in at five. It's the All over right. under is. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, uh, geez. All Four right. and a half. Are you over or under? Yeah. I'm over. <laughs> yeah. So now how many touchdowns will Aller be credited with against West Virginia? Pass and run. Drew Allar will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay, a pass or run total touchdowns for, and that's not to include pick sixes. The pick six would count <laughs> count against them. Oh, so wait, it's a, wait, wait. a minus one. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say he has four touchdowns. Four. All right. Yeah. Wow. I'm actually inclined to pick five, but I say I'm just saying we, we got those running backs for all of my answers. <laughs> we we got those running backs. That's that's. I think I think you get to credit him with four. I'll or, explain why. I'll, I'll explain why I pick four after Andy chooses his. I'm going three. Okay. Going well, the reason three. I picked four is because West Virginia has a terrible pass defense and. They're going to want to. I think. I think Mike Gersich and this offense is going to want to see what they got in Drew in, in this game. I think they're going to want to like put the whole Big Ten conference on notice right out of the gate. There's no reason to hide the fact that you got a five-star quarterback. Use him. There'll be plenty of time for those court, those running backs to get running get running in the game for sure. All right, now switching over to the other side of the ball. A lot of not necessarily a ton of new faces, but there's we got. Guys who are coming in with some experience, um, some key folks missing like Joe, Joey Porter Jr. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. I, I'm curious how they're all going to mesh and how it's going to go and how well they've been prepared during this offseason. How many turnovers do you think the defense will get against West Virginia? Mm. Yeah. I'm going three. Oh, that was my number. <laughs> I was gonna be mine. Yeah, losing Tig Brown is a is tough a tough loss on the uh you know, he, he was a guy that really disrupted a lot in that prowler pack or yeah, prowler position. King and Johnny Dixon. But but yeah, I got the, I, the DNs. I, you got Zachy Wheatley, the turnover king. Um yeah, I, I do think that there's I think there's a strong likelihood that we see some some turnovers. But since Andy's going three, um I'm not going to go four. I'm going to go two. Um, yeah, I, I, but I was inclined to, th- to think three. I think this is going to be a, a, just like I was saying, you know, Drew Alar is going to put the Big Ten on notice. I I'm think sorry, who? Drew Alar. I'm saying that intentionally. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. And, and, and if, I'm, if Drew, if you're listening, which you're not, I'm just joking, obviously. Um, but I, I think this defense is primed to be ferocious and hungry. And, and I think man, and that was one of the things that Manny Diaz 
if you recall, when he was at Miami, what what did he institute down the there? Turnover chain. Yeah. Now we don't have a turnover chain at Penn State, but he emphasizes that a lot. And I think this, I think in this specific defense, he's going to be emphasizing it even more because he knows the type of star power he's got. And it's one thing to just be good at tackling; it's another thing to go that extra mile and like just rip balls out of running backs' hands. You know, hawking the ball out of the air on the secondary. I, I see it happening for sure, but I can only go two. I, I do think Andy's right, though. All right. Well, I got your numbers locked in, boys, and looking forward to uh, to hashing them out after after the game. Oh, it's almost here. Less than three weeks. Less than in three weeks, we will be recording the post game, you know, episode. That's exciting. That's exciting. And uh, Joel, we'll uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks for our uh, final preseason episode, and and we'll have one more uh, round of by the numbers. And you can maybe what we need to do at that point is have the uh, the totals of the off season by the numbers. I think there was a there was a hiking miles total question that I'm very curious yeah. about how that one's going to turn out. Yeah, Tom, do you have a guesstimate for where you are total right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I don't have the exact total, but I'd be willing to bet. Like I'm easily over fifteen hundred miles. Well, it looks like you have almost a thousand miles to go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm just saying I'm over fifteen hundred. I'm. I, it could be significantly over. I. I just don't have it all added up. For the record, for you, you guessed two thousand forty-two miles, Tom. You put yourself at 2,700. Yeah, I'm not going to make 700. <laughs> uh, um, um, I, that's, that's, I mean, I'll be close if I, if I complete the trail. I'll be close. Um, there will be a way to definitively check my mileage. I have been recording on Strava, Joel. Uh, and, and if that's how you want to go ahead and determine the exact down to the 100th decimal point, you can uh, go on Strava and, and tally all that up. I, I just might do that. You might have to, you little, you little <laughs> by the numbers nerd. <laughs> nerd alert. <laughs> Not alert. <laughs> uh, oh, well, Joel, thanks for being with us. Um, we'll see you in a couple weeks, man. And uh, enjoy your, enjoy your time on the East coast. Sounds good. See you fellas. See you. Later. <laughs> All right, bro. Uh, this is going to be fun. Um, I'm not. I'm rethinking some of my answers already, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to win the one for sure by going five. Uh, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, anyway, um, I, that's it. That's it for our um, preseason overview. Um, we're gonna get into the offense and the defense and the special teams in our next three preseason episodes. We're gonna break them down. Uh, we're going to talk about the key players in each of the positions. We're going to be talking about the schemes, talking about the sort of the coordinators and what we expect to see. We, we did some of that in this episode, but we're going to get even deeper into it in the next couple episodes. Um, so stick around, look for us, um, make sure you find us by subscribing or following us. Uh, I want to again, remind you to share uh, with your Penn state friends, uh, send them a link, talk up the, podcast we'd really love to hear from you as well we'd love to read your review rating or question on air and until then it always starts with i love you and it ends with i love you <laughs> it never ends but <laughs> when it does it ends with i love you all right bro nailed that uh, <laughs>
<laughs> we are on point. Uh, <laughs> talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 